Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And today I want to talk about animals, dogs, going after other animals. Yes. Not just dogs, because I think we could do a whole entire podcast about that. Podcast series about that. Yes, that's true. But I, I'm specifically talking about dogs going after cats, wildlife, other animals, in any kind of prey situation. The reason that this came to mind to me, for me, is that I recently had a client and a friend of mine whose dog killed a cat, and it was really, really disturbing to me. I'm one of those people who believes that um, my dog's life is not more important than your dog's or pet's or a wildlife's, you know, a, a wild animal's life. I just don't believe that. If a, one of my client's dogs gets attacked by a coyote, I am devastated. But if one of my client's dogs goes after wildlife, I'm equally devastated. Right. It's, I agree. It's just, for me, it's an equal state. So I think that what people don't realize is that if you're going to make your dog safe around wildlife, you have to decide that it's not okay for the dog to go after anything. anything. Because it applies. It'll go across the board and it applies. Yeah. For my own dogs, uh, they would let a mouse run around my house and they absolutely just watch the lizards running around my house. <laughs> Not in my house, but outside. They just watch them. You know, they're really interested, and when they wrestle the underbrush, they definitely look to see what is that. Mm-hmm. But they would no more run after it or take after it than they would bite me. I mean, they just wouldn't do such a thing. And I suppose unless circumstances were extraordinary enough. But I've been to houses where people allow their dogs to um, aggress at squirrels up mm-hmm. on the in the trees or Squirrels up in the lines. or birds or, like you said, lizards or mouse. Yes, I've even been to places where they encouraged it. Mm-hmm. Get that, get that, uh, maybe they don't like lizards. Get that right. lizard. Get that thing that makes me nervous running around right. on the ground. Or like, let's say they have a neighbor's cat that comes into their yard and likes to poop in their yard, which a lot of, you know, neighborhood cats do. Yes. And then they want their dog to chase the neighbor's cat yes. out of the yard, but then they have a cat that they don't want it to do that to. Right. Or they don't want their dog to take it to the place of actually killing it, but they don't mind letting the dog chase it because that part's fun. And in fact, when my friend's dog did this, um, part of what was upsetting to me was that I know she doesn't like the neighborhood cats in the yard. I know that they make a mess in her yard. Now, to be honest with you, there's no way in the world that she was okay with this and she was devastated also. Right. But I think that you know, at that point I had to make the point to her that, well, you are going to have to take a zero-tolerance attitude to your dogs aggressing on things, even if you don't like those things in your yard. Because if you allow them to practice this behavior for long enough, it's only a matter of time before they get close enough to actually take the next step. Right, and not only that, but if they see you chasing the cat out of the yard, then they're going to assume that that's how you want it, and they're going to do the same thing. I had a client who moved from a larger apartment into a smaller apartment. And as she moved into the smaller apartment, she had two big dogs and a cat. And although the dog and the dogs and the cat were, well, one of the dogs was really okay with the cat, and the bigger dog was not so okay with the cat. 
and he was still an adolescent. And every time, because the cat kind of had relegated himself to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and then every time he would come out of the bathroom on his own, which she kind of wanted him to do, she would hurry up and gather him up, though, and put him back in the bathroom. Because she kind of, she wanted him out, but then she was afraid the dogs were going to bother him, so then she would run over and grab him and put him back in the bathroom behind the baby gate. And that running over and grabbing yes. sends a heck of a signal. Yes, because then then the dog would turn around, and every time the cat would get out, when she wasn't looking, she would see the dog in the corner harassing the cat. Right. And she was wondering why he was doing that when they got along so well before. Right. And I said, well, look. He's doing the same thing you're doing. He's going, look, the cat's out, the cat's out, we got to put him back. Right. Except he's not necessarily understanding the cat's out, the cat's out, we've got to put him back. Right. He might be thinking the cat's out, the cat's out, we've got to get him. Right. Because that's all he really sees of what you do. And I think that, unfortunately, for me, although I am interested, I, I am thinking about people who don't want their animals to take off after their own pets. I think it's equally offensive that your dog would kill my cat, not you. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. No, no, not you, but I mean my neighbor. You know, mm-hmm. that that's equally offensive to me. It's yeah. equally offensive to me for people to think that because an animal belongs to somebody else that it's somehow okay. Yeah. And actually I have a friend who lives in a very rural area up t- towards uh, Sierra Nevada, and she has dogs that she takes out running all the time. And these dogs are not trustworthy with cats. She takes them out without leashes. And at one point, she went by someone's house who had a cat, and she told her dogs to leave it, and they are trained, and they did leave it. But then as she's running, the dogs at some point break off from her, double back, go back and kill this cat. And I have to say that when she told me the story, and I know she was bothered by it, I think I was a thousand times more bothered by it because I thought, you know, that is just so offensive to me. If you knew that was a problem, not only do you need to teach your dogs leave it, you need to teach your dogs that under no circumstances do they chase things. Right. And I have another friend who has allowed her dogs to, she goes out and takes them to a rural area to walk them, and she allows them to chase rabbits Mm. and chase things that are in the underbrush and then she went to another friend of ours house and he has cats and her dog chased and grabbed a cat and luckily the cat didn't die but Mm -hmm. the cat was quite it was a kitten and it was quite badly wounded and I was so mad I was so glad I wasn't there because honestly I would have had a fit and then she made the correlation oh okay I still think she what this leads to yes yes this is what this leads to you know what if you don't want your animals at your aunt, your dog to aggress and kill something. It's prey drive. It's mm-hmm. prey instinct. It, this is absolutely their hardwired to do it. Does that mean that you can't teach them to control it? No, it doesn't. How do I know? Because none of my dogs would consider it. Right. A, a rabbit could run right over their feet, and they would just look at it, look at me, and go, "Oh my goodness, did you see that happen?" <laughs> so it can be dealt with. It yeah. absolutely can be dealt with, but you have to deal proactively with right. it. Right, and it's also very different if you have multiple dogs. Right, because then your work is much, much harder. It can still be done. Oh, yeah. It absolutely, absolutely can still be done. But it means that your work is even, uh, that how much you work you do with it is even more important. Right. It's more than double the amount of work. But, I mean, it really helps if if you start, like, let's say your first dog doesn't have that. I mean, you really do your work, your homework, and you teach your dog we don't chase things. And when you bring in your second dog, it's that, sm- that much easier to get the second dog not to do it because the first in dog is it, the first dog is influencing the second dog as well as you are. Right. 
Well, you know, I think the hardest thing to do is to get people to realize that you can't let them chase the squirrels and the rabbits and the, you know, and the lizards. Right. And you can't let them practice that prey drive. Anything that they practice very regularly, they're going to get good at, and especially something like that that is an instinctive behavior and does come to them as a default. You know, the hardest thing is to get people to realize you can't let them do that. And I've had people make the argument to me, well, you know, I grew up in Montana or some other rural place, and, you know, the dogs there, they knew that you couldn't kill the chickens, but, you know, they would kill wildlife. Well, I don't know how they knew, but they knew. And I'd say, no, not all of them did. And they'd say, oh, yes, yes, this is a client of mine. Yes, yes. And I said, no, you need to think about that for a minute. Because the ones who didn't know, who didn't Mm -hmm. figure that out, they were on a really stiff learning curve. And the ones that didn't figure it out, they were killed. Yeah. Those dogs were destroyed. Right. Right. In some places like Wyoming and Colorado, if your dog chases wildlife, he's gone. They are allowed to shoot him. For wildlife. Yeah, not just just wildlife. If they chase cows or... You know, other people's livestock. Farm animals. Yeah, livestock. Thank yeah. you. That's the word I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Well, I know that actually my friend whose uh, dogs killed the cat, oh, it still bothers me just to think about it. She lives in an area where they're not allowed to chase stock. Mm-hmm. And they do uh, a lot of walking on la- lands that have stock on them. Right. But her dogs were not allowed to chase the stock. They weren't allowed to chase cows. That right. was primarily what she came into contact with. But she did let them chase small things. Yeah. And, you know, potentially kill small things. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who is going to say to me, because I've had this said to me before, well, I have a terrier, and that's what terriers do. Baloney. They all do it. Yeah. They all do it. It is no more an instinct for your terrier than it is for any other dog. Now, they may have been selectively bred to bring out certain reactivity Mm -hmm. to small things or to go to ground, which is what terriers are, are selectively bred to do. But it doesn't mean that they can't be taught to leave it alone. You just have to start early. You have to start from a a long enough distance. And you have to start paying attention to the things that happen at home. Right. And you have to stop the dog now, not when he's farther away from you, when he's almost upon whatever it is. Right. You have to do it as soon as he alerts and goes, I think I hear something moving in the bushes. And, you know, one of the things that has been said to me before (laughs) about squirrels, this has been said by more than one one person is, um, well, you know, the squirrels tease my dogs. And that's always been something that I have a little bit of a, an argument with. I don't usually argue with people about it, but I'm going to say it here. I don't think that the squirrels tease our dogs. I think that the squirrels share their space with a predator. And in order to figure out the predator's limitations, they probably do a ton of testing to try to figure out, when I do this, what happens? When I do this, what happens? They probably, that is probably a learning thing. They probably are watching the dog for his reactions to try to figure out patterns. And trying to chase them away. Because if they get big and puffy towards a raven or a crow, there's a chance that that might go away. Right. Well, I think they pretty much do learn that the dogs aren't going to go away (laughs) after a while. I mean, certainly when it's... Certainly when it's a continuous behavior, they probably do. And that's what I'm talking about, the people who who will say, well, the squirrels, you know, tease my dogs. Mm -hmm. But I just think that, you know, we've decided that we watch that, and that's what that looks like. It looks like teasing, therefore it's teasing. I don't think it's teasing. I think it's learning. And I don't think the squirrel is doing anything wrong, and I don't think he deserves what he gets when the dog catches him. And, you know, this is a really important point. And if you're going to let him do that, then when he sees the neighbor cat run by, 
and its tail is fluffy, and he goes after it, what do you think the likelihood is that he's not going to practice the same behavior? Unless he's friendly with that cat. Right. Even if you have cats of your own, by the way. Right. Just because you have a dog that has that is friendly with your own cats doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be tolerant of other cats. That's true. That's true. And a lot of dogs will start chasing something that moves very quickly. And then once they get to it, they go, oh, okay, I see what it is. So even if, like, okay, Jim and I, my, my German Shepherd that we lost a few years ago, was a fabulous dog and wouldn't hurt anything, you know, you couldn't pay her to, to hurt anything. Right. And she got along great with my cat. But if I had her out and there was a cat, she would go, oh, what's that moving? And she would start to go after it, and then she would go, oh, it's a cat. Right. And she would stop. Right. And the same thing with a squirrel or whatever. Something would move. It would catch her eye just instinctively, and then she would go, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, it's like she had this automatic check button. Right. Well, it's just once she realized. She did react instinctively, and then she would realize, and and she would would do exactly what we're talking about. She would inhibit the behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. She was taught to inhibit the behavior, whether or not you did it, whether or not she taught herself. It was so long some, ago, I really don't remember. Right. But chances are, I stepped in and said, "Don't do it." Right. And she went, "Oh well, I don't want, I don't want an argument with you, mom." Yeah. <laughs> please, please, you know, okay, you can have it your way. It's yours. <laughs> Plus, you didn't model for her that behavior. No. So it, you were not inclined to go out and chase something down um, in front of them. I think for people who live behind. Or whose dogs live behind chain link or glass. If you go out in the yard and you chase the cat away and you watch your dog, or you let your dog watch that, mm-hmm. you are in essence modeling that behavior for your dog. Yeah. It's like you're, you're putting him back behind a barrier, which can then cause barrier frustration and a buildup of, of intensity on the dog's part. Mm-hmm. And you go, here, watch me. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you model for the dog that this is... That basically what you're modeling is you're hunting the animal. Mm-hmm. In your dog's eyes, that's what it looks like. They don't understand, well, she just wants it off the property because she doesn't like it pooping in our, wa- in our flower beds. Mm-hmm. For the dog that watches that, you are hunting that animal. Mm-hmm. And that's what the animal thinks. That's what the little animal, whether it's a squirrel or a, or a uh, whatever, a gopher or awesome. yeah, whatever it is. That's what that animal thinks, and that's what your animal thinks when he watches right, you. Because he doesn't know what you do with it once it goes away. That's right. And he doesn't know that that wasn't just an unsuccessful hunt. Hunt. Yeah, exactly. To him, that's what that looks like. If you don't catch him, then it was unsuccessful. Yeah. So, so here, maybe I'll do better next time. And then you could be really proud of me. I'm faster, yeah. and I can do that. And in, as a matter of fact, when this situation happened with my friend and the dog and the cat, he picked up that cat and brought it, brought it to her. You know, he thought he was doing the right thing. She had done a series of, she had made a series of mistakes, of errors in things that she did in front of him, and he thought he was making the right choice. Yeah. He really did, and it was sad, and it was sad for her, and it was sad for him, and it was sad for me, and it was mostly sad for that cat, yeah. who, you know, doesn't get to make any more mistakes. So, if you're going to teach your dog to leave things alone, I think what you need to do is start, any time that you have your dog around small animals you teach them to leave it alone. Mm -hmm. If you take your dog, it's not cute if you have a bird in a cage and your dog is really fascinated by the bird. Yeah. Teach your dog to leave the bird alone. Or a ferret. Or a, not that anybody in California that we know has a ferret. (laughs) But, uh, you know, ferrets or rats. A lot of people have rats as pets. We used to have rats as pets. Yeah, they're great pets. Yeah, they're great pets. So you just don't allow your dog to do it. 
Right. You teach your dog that those things are off limits. And not only the things that you have in your home, but then you take that to the outside and you teach them that the things that are on the outside are off limits. You know, after this incident happened with the cat, she said, well, you know, he watches the squirrels. And I think the squirrels teach, she was one of those people who said to me that the squirrels uh, tease him. And I said, do you think that the squirrels don't do the same thing at my house? They absolutely do. My dogs right. don't pay them any mind. Right. They don't. It's, it's a non-issue for them. It has been a non-issue from the day that they come to live with me. It's an non-issue. And if you take that attitude... And if you start recognizing that you can't pick and choose and go, well, I don't mind if they chase that animal because I don't like it, Mm -hmm. that you are setting them up for potentially going after something that is going to be important to you. Right. And I think that your neighbor's cat should be important. You know, I'm really, it's, again, this is me on my soapbox, but really irritating to me when somebody's animal goes out and kills somebody else's animal. And that's okay with them because it wasn't their animal that died. Right. You know, it's. For me, it's no different than your dog being grabbed by a coyote. It just isn't. Right. Oh, boy. I'm going to make some enemies with that one. But that is the way I feel. Yep. I think you're right that people have an, some people have a feeling of that, oh, well, it's okay. It's only a squirrel or it's okay. It's only a pigeon. Or mm-hmm. there was one time I went out in the backyard and saw my dog chewing on something. And I thought, what is that? And I went over and it was what was left of a bird and it was actually a cockatiel it was it had been somebody's head and i don't know that she chased it i don't know how she got a hold of it maybe it landed or even if she did or yeah she may not have maybe it was injured and i have no idea right but because she didn't have the hips to jump up and grab this bird out of mid-air i'm telling you right so you know, it's, it was like, it made me really sad. It made me really sad for somebody whose pet this was. It made me really sad. Yeah. Bird. Don't start crying, honestly. Nobody cries alone in my presence. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rule I have, and I, I absolutely will exercise it. Uh, no, it is really upsetting. And so, please, take the time to, to recognize that when you allow your animal to aggress at something, you are just one step away at aggressing from something that you don't want him to go after, including somebody else's small dog. Right. I mean, this goes to a multitude of, you know, different areas, including somebody's small dog. And most of the time when an animal kills, like a dog kills another, a large dog kills a small dog, and then people will say, oh, he's never done anything like that before. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, yeah, he has. He's practiced that, and I can probably sit down and ask enough questions. Do you feel this way? Yes. When you talk to people, yeah, that I could it's sit an down. Extension and of another behavior. Yes, that I could sit down. And I guess that, that that plays into one more point we wanted to make, which is how this affects other behaviors. So, not only does this affect, you know, the possibility of your animal or your dog going after something, somebody else's animal, but it also affects the way your dog relates to you in other ways because if your dog is allowed to disconnect from you and go on his own after another animal then he is going to feel freer to disconnect at other in other areas of behavior i think that that's a significant point and i think that that's something that people again don't take seriously enough right i agree with you all right so that's all we have to say about this I'm climbing off my soapbox now. <laughs> oh, good, because you were so tall up there. I know. So this is Kim with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you very much. Thank you.
You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.